of the setting the edge podcast i mistakenly said it was 18 uh last episode don't do that in real life uh i'm i'm your host justin mosquetti you can find me on twitter at j-u-m-o-s-q the jew mosque i'm here with my co-host charles mcdonald you can find him on twitter at four verts what's up to the people charles what's up to the good people happy to setting the edge sunday yeah it's kind of like um we messed up we lied to the people we gotta we gotta confess first thing what did we we lie about this time we said don't trust the Northwest in pressure situations, and we got two teams from the Northwest in the Final Four. Yeah, that doesn't mean they're going to win it all, though. Oh, no, absolutely not. No, uh, I, we just watched Kentucky. Was it Kentucky? Or, or no, UNC just won. Yeah. Uh, UNC is going to run the table on those guys. Yeah, probably. Well, this week, I mean, it's March 26th. There's not a damn thing happening in the NFL right now. So We have, we have like, a little bit of news. What? It's just like the Sean Payton thing, the Sean Payton Manziel thing, and then the Texans still not doing anything. I the mean, Texans, everyone made fun of the of the Browns for picking up that Brock Osweiler contract, and the Texans have literally not signed a single free agent. I mean, are they just waiting for Romo to get released? What does he do if he goes to Fox or CBS? I I think he would take a a chance playing for the Texans over that. I don't know. I don't know the guy. But people people talk about it like th- those are the decisions that need to be made. But if the Texans really just sat here, you know, holding their junk for an entire offseason after trading the second round pick to get that Brock Osweiler contract off, you know, off their books, right? And they just roll into next year with like Tom Savage. I don't know, man. I I think you can still look at this offseason as a win for the Texans just for getting that off, like getting that contract <laughs> away from the Addition team. Addition by subtraction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You busted the double negative. The double negative happened. Osweiler's no longer there, so you're good money. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's dive into these questions. Uh, we have a few, so let's start off with Lions analysis at Lions underscore stuff one. When a player has a huge change in numbers from combine to pro day, does that affect your rankings or force player metric? Uh, it doesn't affect my force player metric. The only time that I thought it was significant, uh, or the only time that I made it, so it did was when Randy Gregory had that whole situation, right? Because, right. like, Randy Gregory's weight was, like, super weird, too. I remember his weight was a big deal. He was fluctuating um, but, a lot that offseason, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, like crazy. So I, he was a non-force player at the Combine, went to his pro day. His weight drastically changed. So I was like, well, I mean, worst-case scenario, at least this is something worth noting for the future. And, like, Randy Gregory hasn't played. So I really don't know what to do with that. Um, this probably stems from the Charles Harris situation, I would assume, right? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, like he's the guy who's like really, he's the only guy who I think is like drastically changed from uh, the pro day or from the combine to the pro day. Yeah, I mean his, his combine uh, vertical jump was a thirty-two and a half, and at his pro day he hit thirty-seven. So maybe, the, <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe the combine was just an off day for him. I haven't looked at the rest of the numbers to see how that matched up, but I mean, a, a five inches on a vertical jump is a massive improvement, and that's just like a few weeks away. So. 
I, I, I maybe maybe Harris is as athletic as we thought, and he just had a bad testing day, or because his like some guys don't test well, and it makes sense, right? Like Derek Barnett and Tackers McKinley are two guys who didn't test well in certain aspects, but it totally makes sense for their game, right? Yeah. We're like. Tackerus can't bend, and Barnett has no explosion, but he can bend. Um, Charles Harris was a guy who we everyone thought he was explosive as hell, and then it just didn't happen for him. I don't know what the hell went on at the combine. I don't know. He's still he's my edge five. He's my edge five. I'm still willing to ride with him as a first round pick. I know a lot of people are, you know, just like take him out of the first round completely because of how he tested. But um, that guy knows how to counter, and that's not something that you can like. That's a that has as much to do with confidence as it does athleticism, and I think like oh, even yeah. if Charles Harris, even if Charles Harris is just like if he's jumping the snap when he's doing that, right? That's I'm he's better than Shane Ray was, and Shane Ray was projected a top ten pick by the NFL before he got hit with that arrest pre-draft. So yeah, and I think the confidence thing with the uh, with Harris, you know, being able to uh, hit counter moves, like I, I remember when I played and I played defensive end, like you. You kind of got to psych yourself up to be like, all right, I'm gonna hit a spin move on it. On this, I'm gonna hit a spin move on the tackle on this play, or I'm a club rip on this play. Like, I don't know. It, it just takes like a little bit of a little bit more courage to not just go with a, a regular bull rush. So to, to see a guy just kind of split off the edge, but always have a plan in mind, I I really like that, and I'm with you. I, I would still take Charles Harris in the first round. I'd still take him over guys like Derek Barnett and Tack McKinley and Carl Lawson. Like, that's pretty much where I stand on that situation. Yeah, I I think after you get past like Miles Garrett and Solomon Thomas is is kind of like pick your own flavor, you know. Yeah, that's fair. All right, uh, next question from don't at me at do not at me underscore. <laughs> <laughs> How would you feel about the Falcons taking two pass rushers in the draft, uh, like Derek Rivers and the dude from Villanova? Both of them have been linked to Dan Quinn. So, what are your thoughts on Tano from Villanova? Uh, nothing positive. I'm trying to stay positive on this podcast. Um, yeah, man, I'm not really a big fan. Like, he's just kind of a big dude. That's re- that's really that. Yeah, I I, I don't know, man. I kind of like him a little bit just because I I feel like th- he was miscast in that defense. Like they had him playing pretty much two gapping role, and yeah, I mean, you see guys that are like six seven two ninety like he is, but I don't think I think he's more suited for like you know one of those inside out roles where he can play base and, and then kick inside a three tech. I, I, I tend to think he's going to be a better pro and I really just want to bet on guys who just crush the broad jump like that. And especially a guy like at, at his size, I kind of like Tano now rivers is, I, I know rivers hive. Yeah. Rivers hive. hive. Uh, I know that, you know, since this is a Falcons related question, I know the Falcons are, you know, pretty high on him and, they are hoping to get him at the end of the second, but that doesn't really seem like a possibility at this point. How would you feel if they took uh, Rivers at 31? Because I would be fully on board for that. Uh, I'm going to look at my rankings right now. He's my 20th ranked player, not including the quarterbacks. So that would be a value pick as far as I'm concerned. Um, the one question that I have with Atlanta, right, is how the hell are you guys going to keep all these bodies, right? So like, Dwight Freeney is a f- still free agent right now, so we're not even going to count him. I don't, yeah, I don't think he's coming back. Okay. But you still got Vic Beasley, Derek Shelby, Adrian Claiborne, Jack Crawford, and Brooks Reed. And those are all just pure pass rushers. Those aren't even the guys like Rashid Hagman and Courtney Upshaw who kind of play that flex end role, right? So, like, at what, like, okay, like, Brooks Reed and Jack Crawford are probably fighting for a 
fighting for a roster spot right now. Like, how many well, more not, guys are going to... Not gonna... Crawford, because he just signed a three-year deal, so... I mean, how much... How much... All right, so so Brooks Reed is on the roster bubble right now. Yes. I would, how, I would... how, many, how many more bodies can they... Can they add like pass rusher almost seems like a position for Atlanta where like you either have to add it high or you can't add it at all just because there's so many bodies there. Yeah, that's that's that. I mean, I feel the same exact way. And I mean, when you just look at what Thomas Dimitrov has said about the guys they've acquired this offseason. So, I, I mean, it sounds like they're going to put Hagman back at one technique. And, you know, I, I thought he played really well there in the playoffs and like the, the closing the closing stretch of the season. So I think on the inside, you're going to have your three, you know, quote unquote, true defensive tackle bodies with Don Terry Poe, uh, Rashid Hageman, Grady Jarrett. And then you kind of have a, a ton of flex guys like Derek Shelby, Cordy Upshaw, uh, Adrian Claiborne, Jack Crawford. Those are going to be guys that play, you know, up and down the line of scrimmage based on the, the set that they come out with. And then, you know, right now on, on the defense, you only really have two true guys that aren't going to kick inside ever in with Beasley and Reed. So, right. I mean, just, just looking at it from a body type and the amount, like the numbers they have uh, on the defensive line, I, I think they're still missing like one more true edge. And I, I think if Forrest Lamp isn't there at 31, I would not be surprised to see them pull the trigger at uh, on Derek Rivers. He's good. There was a lot of people who said that he was the second best pass rusher on Youngstown even though he, like, broke the school record for sacks and stuff like that. So, shouts to those people. Yeah, I mean, I like Avery Moss personally. I don't think he's a bad player, but he's not I started. Player. I started watching him. He's, him and the Utah kid are still the guys who I haven't graded yet because those are just the guys. I haven't graded really any pass rushers since the combine or, like, any new pass rushers, right? I've done my rankings and, like, adjusted and stuff like that. But, um, but I started watching him again because uh, they put up the – they put up the West Virginia cut on draft breakdown, which is amazing. And yeah. then uh, there was some like some another FCS school or something like that. So I started watching that, and I started I finally started noticing Moss like flash. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I never really thought of Moss like that, but he started flashing me on those. So I have to go back and watch him, and I got to watch the Utah guy whose name I can't see or say, and is a force player. So okay, uh, next question from Carlos Thu. Uh, where will Johnny Shasta Carlos? <laughs> where will Johnny Football most likely play at, and should he be considered a first stringer? <laughs> Shasta Carlos. Carlos's pops is the dude who like Takari. I always tweet from where oh. I'm like, yo, still have a Christmas tree up. Shout out and to like, you, yo, Carlos. They're 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 straight up gambling on on soccer. Like no shame at all. Yo, at these tables in the open. Shasta Poppy. Shasta Poppy who said that uh, Kansas City and Dallas were going to be in the Super Bowl this past year. I went in all <laughs> cocky and was like, hey, how are your Chiefs doing? And he just came back with me. This was like probably this is the week before. This was like right before we went to Mobile, I think. Yeah. And he just cut or no, right after we went to Mobile, and he just comes up. He's like, "How are your Packers doing, bro?" And I was just like, "Damn, getting clapped back by someone in like their second language, man. That's harsh." It happens. Do we have? Do we I, really have to give a serious question, a serious answer to this? I mean, where's John no. football going to play? Nowhere. I, mean, I don't think. I don't think he's going to play. One thing I will say is like, if any team is going to take a developmental quarterback, it's New Orleans. Because like, I went back and I I looked through. Uh, which head coaches like have ha- like actually have legitimate tenure in the NFL? And I will say like the Melvin Gordon like uh, Char- uh, Chandler Jones draft. I think that was 2012. Like basically, whenever you're off of your fifth year option, right? There's only like three fourths of the league has switched head coaches since then, not including teams who have switched their head coaches multiple times, right? Right. And 
if you're talking about general managers, man, New Orleans general manager has a really good gig because he's not only the own like he's the general manager of the New Orleans Saints and he's an executive uh, for the same for the same owners NBA team. Like he's not losing yeah, his job at any a, point. He's the GM for the Pelicans. Too, yeah, yeah. So it's like he's not losing his job. Like there are very few places where like. If you talk about like getting a quarterback at the end of a first contract, right? Yeah. Most of most of the head coaches in the NFL have not lasted that long. Period. Like that's just not reality right now. New Orleans is a spot where we saw we heard rumors about them being interested in uh, Jimmy Garoppolo way back, right? We heard rumors about them and uh, Bryce Petty two years ago, I want to say. Yeah. And, and they just worked out Chase Daniel again. Like this team has you know reportedly been in the market for a quarterback for a while and seems to not be content with just rolling with Garrett Grayson as number two. Which so makes if, sense. Which makes sense, which is why I think like if a guy like Pat Mahomes like starts dropping, like that's the spot for him to land to is New Orleans. Because that's the only that's one of the few places where you have an offensive line who's gonna be there long term, right? That's one of the issues that Tampa Bay ran into is they were like, hey our head coach is the defensive guy and our offensive coordinator is the guy who's grooming our quarterback, which probably replaced the damn head coach with the offensive coordinator. Um, Champagne's already that for New Orleans, so I think like New Orleans really is like the perfect spot for like a young quarterback to grow, and that's really the only place that I could see that happening in the NFL right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, would you if you were the Saints, would you take Mahomes at what are they at eleven? Because I mean, do you, do you think he's going to be there? You could probably 32? get you could, you could get like Rivers or Williams or Harris at the back end of the first, I guess, right? Yeah. So I don't think you can get Mahomes at thirty-two. If if you're committed on getting a quarterback, yeah. Yeah. If you if you're trying to win now, I'd probably say like grab grab a cornerback and then grab a pass rusher at the end of it. Cuz they need they need both right now. Like that team is still a pass rusher and a defensive back away from like legitimately competing even though they're loaded on offense. Yeah. All right, next question. Uh from Mitchell Sella, how you, how do you decide whether a player projects more as a 3 tech or as a 5 tech? Uh, can he explode? And how well does he hold up at the point of attack? Right? Yeah, pretty like, much. That's, that's, that's pretty much it. Because, I mean, I guess like arm length and stuff like that has to do with the two. There's not a lot of teams that actually like throw out five techs. No. I mean, it was, last year it was just like the 49ers when uh, arm yeah. was healthy. And, I mean, yeah. they had the worst defense. One of the worst defenses in NFL history. Yeah, because like. I can tell you grading from like the N- the NFC ends, right? Where it's like the number twos are like got like Chris Baker is a is a D end, but he's not a five tech. You know what I mean? Like Mike Daniels is a D end, but he's not a five tech. Like right. if you wanted to write those guys on paper, like if they were if there were prospects coming out in the draft, you'd say defensive tackle. Oh yeah. Like I mean and and that's kind of something that we've we've seen uh, through grading with the NFL and Thousand Project, like their guys listen on three, four DNs that play a lot of three technique, and I, I think, I mean, for a guy that's gonna project to a three tech over five, yeah, like you said, explosiveness. Because uh, I mean, even when uh, I think a good example of this is Dom Easley when he was playing for the Patriots, like he would get bullied on some runs, but he would give you enough uh, as like you know, a first gap, first step gap shooter where you're kind of okay with living with some of those plays where you get bullied versus a run. And if you're a five tech, you, you, you can't afford to have a guy who's going to get pushed around versus a run, which is, which yeah. is weird that people want Solomon Thomas to play that role in the NFL, but he doesn't no. do like, the no, one he's thing. not good. Yeah. He's, he's not, he's not good inside as a, 
as a as a run defender. There's just no way that that's going to happen. Um, speaking of speaking of easily, like just a little side note, they gave him a first round tender as a restricted free agent because he came on. He he got he got uh, he got waived by the Patriots after two years after being a first round pick. Got picked up by the L.A. Rams. He was basically. Uh, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong. He was basically uh, Aaron Donald's backup at under tackle, right? Yeah. And now they're switching to a three-four defense, which is still a one-gap scheme. But like, you're not playing Dom easily at one tech, and you're not playing him at like strong end. So they just gave a lot of money to a damn backup defensive end. And I have no like, is that a guy who like, are they gonna trade him? Like, I I really have no idea because they have an expensive one-year contract on him. I have no idea what the hell is going on. Do you think Les Need knows what the hell is going on? That's fair. Yeah, that's a fair thing for the Jared Goff thing when everyone's like, hey, yeah, Jeff Fisher's out of town, so now Jared Goff is going to be great. And I'm like, Les Need is the only general manager in the in the history of the NFL who has proven that he cannot win with extra picks and he cannot win by trading up. Like it, he's, it's fairly he's the amazing. only test case for that. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about the Rams offseason for a second. Like Tremaine Johnson, they just doubled down on tagging him two years in a row. What? And then they tried to trade him and couldn't. And then they gave Robert Robert Woods all this money to be like a blocking receiver. Yeah, I mean, so they're locked into Robert Woods and Tavon Austin. That off that that those receivers aren't going to get better for a while. Nope. And they just paid Andrew Withworth, who is you know I, I think he's maybe the most underrated tackle in the past decade. But dude's like thirty seven years old. Like that can't be your plan for three you're, years. You're treading water. Yeah, you're treading water now. Um, speaking of really Robert Woods. Next year. Speaking of Robert Woods, uh, Bills fans like to tell me that uh, Buffalo is not going to draft a receiver early in the first round. They have 42 receptions returning from their receiving unit. Yeah. 42. Yeah. 42. You're drafting a receiver. At 10. At 10. Yeah. Like, like, I, like it's very hard for me because I understand, like, if, if I don't like it, I still understand how NFL teams work, right? Where, like, it's going to be hard for Malik Hooker and Corey Davis to come off the board where their talent should say that they are because Corey Davis was a Mac receiver who's not going to run, and Malik Hooker is a guy who also isn't going to run because he had that t- that labrum issue and he's super young. Um, but, like, you're picking – I think Buffalo's either picking 10th or 11th, and you having 42 receptions returning on your NFL team is exactly how you get into a situation where you pick a Mac receiver who hasn't ran like that early in the draft. Yeah, I mean, I, I still really like Corey Davis, though. I, I wouldn't have a problem taking he's him there. Wide, wide receiver one. He's my sixth overall player. Yeah, he's But good. I just understand why NFL teams are stupid and why they'd be like, I need to see him run even though he had 1,500 yards for the past four years. All right. Uh, let's get into one last question before we head over to our interview. From my son at Jalen Muhammad, what should people look for when they watch film when watching defensive line and edge prospects? I mean, you want to tackle this one first? Yeah, I'll start off first. I mean, that's a pretty broad question. I, I mean, just if I can just take you through my process for, like, when I watch guys for NFL 1000, I mean, we have, like, the three grades, uh, or with four grades, snap, explosion, pass, rushing, run, defense, and tackling. And I, if we just want to start off with run defense, like, for a one-gap defensive tackle, you're really kind of looking to see how they hold their gap. And how they use their hands to, you know, we talk about this all the time, like keeping your uh, half man relationship clean. So you're not yep. taking on the full brunt of a, of an offensive lineman. And, you know, if you can ke- get a guy who's going to uh, keep his hands in, keep or keep his man hand gap hand relationship uh, well and consistent, that's 
already already going to put him in a great place to be an effective run defender, which is like why I like Jaleel Johnson so much because his hands are always in the right place. He, like his feet, and his hands are always in the, going in the same direction. He knows where he's supposed to be all the time. And you know, if you can get a guy who's going to have his hands and feet synchronized and understands blocking schemes, like that is huge. And I mean, that's how Malcolm Brown has been an impact an impact player for the Patriots without really being a dynamic athlete, just because he his technique is so good and he knows what's going on. So. Uh, I, I would say that the two biggest things that I look for are block recognition and, uh, you know, the ability to have your hands and feet on the same page. Yeah, I think um, – so we should probably plug this. We had that piece on on uh, run fits on setting the edge. Yeah, Deontay Lee, was, it was fantastic. Yeah, so, like, that that helps explain a lot of things too. Um, you, had that, you had that video of – I think it was Taco Charlton. You sent it out today. Oh, earlier today? Yeah. Yeah, that GIF – where you can see a guy, it's almost like a, it's almost like uh, Kevin King playing corner, where like you see a guy playing too aggressive and that gets him into trouble. Like that that taco issue was like he was just too aggressive, didn't keep the outside shoulder clean, right. and then it just becomes a track, it just becomes a track meet on the edge. Because that's that's the thing is the reason that you're keeping contain as a defensive end is you're you're forcing you're basically forcing a running back to run inside of you, and what that like that. That means a lot less for people who haven't played linebacker than people who have. Like people who have played linebacker will tell you, like, if your defensive end isn't keeping contained, you have to play sideline to sideline, and that's so much harder than being able to like you're picking which one of the six gaps on the inside, you know, that this running back's going to run through. So, I think yes, like keeping contained for run defense is super important. Um, for pass rushers, like snap explosion, it's yep. just so important. It's super, like just crazy important. Um. Really, like for for pass like defensive ends, outside linebackers, it's pretty easy to play run defense. Honestly, you just keep your outside shoulder clean. It's way easier to do that out in space where you're sh- you're already on an open side, right? Compared to uh, inside where you have you don't know where the bodies are coming from and if there's going to be a fold or what the hell is going to happen. Um, so really, it's honestly it's snap explosion and bend. That's really it, and that's why athleticism athleticism matters so much for pass rushers. Yeah. All right, well, that was a fun little interview session. Hopefully some news picks up this week that we can talk about next week. But we're going to kick it to an interview with one of my favorite Twitter followers, Natalie Weiner. She was formerly of Billboard.com, and now she writes for Bleach Report magazine. So we're going to talk to her about music and the Seahawks, and she's a diehard Seahawks fan. So we'll be right back with that. You can find her on Twitter at, at Natalie Weiner. She works for, for uh, Bleacher Report Mag. She's a staff writer for Bleacher Report. Say what's up to the people, Natalie. Hey, guys. How's it going? I'm really impressed you pronounced my name right, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Charles Char- Char pronounced it first on the outro of our, our first section, so you could thank Thanks. him. Well, you both did great. I'm very proud. <laughs> thank you. Uh, well, I have a question for you. So how... How how did you end up at uh, BR Magazine from Billboard? How how did that process happen? Fair question. Um, Basically, I mean, it was just kind of like they reached out to me and I was a little bit like, what? This is, I mean, I had thought kind of like, oh, maybe I could write about sports, but it was sort of a more nebulous, like someday this will happen. 
But then I just got an email from Matt Sullivan, who's in charge of the BR Mag stuff. And yeah, the rest is kind of history. But it's definitely been an adjustment. I mean, going from working at Billboard, which is very much like music industry publication and tweeting about sports for fun, which is, you know, how I know <laughs> you, Charles. Um, but going from that to actually like being professionally accountable for sports happenings is, you know, it's different, but it's cool. I'm learning a lot. So. Your, your first piece was on Drake's album, wasn't it? For the BR Mac? Uh-uh. That was actually my third one. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> yes, you haven't been keeping track. It's fine. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, the first one was actually um, on My King Johnson, the first openly gay Division One recruit. Um, and so it was kind of about the history of gay football players. But I actually also spoke to one of the women who's played in the NCAA, which I didn't even realize that was a thing, that there were women who had played in NCAA football um, at all levels, not even just like Division Three or something. But, yeah, I, didn't, yeah, I had no idea that that was a thing. There was like a kicker from like New Mexico and stuff like even, right? Yep. That was the woman I talked to that she she was a kicker and she played in New Mexico and she was like the first division one woman, but there have been like a few and it's kind of crazy that they haven't already had their biopics made or something. You know yeah. what I mean? I feel like that's like automatic fodder. But Maybe we'll get a 30 for 30 someday. I mean, it seems like there was this whole thing with like sexual assault with her too. So I was like, Ugh, wow. like terrible stuff, but also great television. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, horrible thing to say, but it's like it's clearly that she like overcame a lot to succeed. You yeah. know, that's it, it's okay. We like problematic things sometimes on this podcast. I'm not. I'm not saying I like it. I'm just saying you know, if you're, <laughs> if you're, if you're like. Here's a story that I could tell, you know. Uh, you get All right, if we're, if we're going to go down the problematic road, um, how do you feel about <laughs> Pete, uh, Pete Carroll being a 9-11 truther? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I would, like, I, I would like to hear more from him about that because we really just have that <laughs> one press conference, right? Like, I feel yeah. like what if it was just an anomaly and he was just like in a weird mood? Like, does he actually go to weird, like Alex Jones's site and like read Infowars or something? Like, I don't know how deep it goes, you know? Would like, it surprise it... you if Pete Carroll read <laughs> Alex Jones' site? Would that surprise you? Uh, I want to say yes, but in my heart, no. <laughs> no. no. A guy that old with hair that good has some secrets. And if he... If he... <laughs> I mean, if he comes out and says that he, he reads Alex Jones' website on the daily, I'd be like, yeah, that seems like it lines up with Pete Carroll. Yeah, but you know what? He is also my hero. So I hope that he's one of my heroes, I guess. I, I hope that he's not terrible, but, you know, terrible yeah. until proven not terrible when it comes to men in the NFL. So. That's very <laughs> All right, let's dive into some of these questions. Uh, first question from David King at Hurricane David. Uh, who are the chain smokers of the of football? Oh yeah, I saw. I remember this one, uh, and I said, I think, I feel like I replied that it was obvious because I feel like it is obvious, and it's clearly the Patriots. I mean, like that's just not even. <laughs> now I don't oh, listen to the picking chain. them up, putting them down, picking them up, putting them down. You're going. To- <laughs> Yeah, I don't listen to Chainsmokers, so I need a little bit more background on that analogy. Oh, oh. well, first of all, you're lucky um, that you have <laughs> not had to listen to the Chainsmokers. 
as a billboard employee, it was basically my duty to <laughs> know everything about the chain smokers because they basically had just a crazy run. Like they had one weird song like three years ago called Selfie, which was kind of a hit. Like it was on the Hot 100, but it wasn't ubiquitous. Um, but then they've just had like four singles in a row that have all just killed it. Like they're, they have the song for March Madness right now. That one, new one, their new one with Coldplay is like um, the bumper music for every March Madness game. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, they're two white bros who make EDM. Oh, uh, that's super generic and bad. Um, but they know somehow, they don't even know how to write hooks. Their biggest song, Closer, the hook is taken from the fray. <laughs> And they didn't give the fray credit, and the fray got mad, and then they had to put the fray on as writers for the song. I don't know. It's just like it's so preposterously terrible that, like, obviously it's the Patriots. So they're thieves. They're just like hmm? they're thieves. They deflated yeah. the hook. They yeah. deflated the hook. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say they actually inflated it because they made it like way more successful. But um, yeah, no, it's just like white dudes full of bullshit. That's Patriots <laughs> who win all the time, and it's annoying. <laughs> Ugh, I know, I know. My heart is still <laughs> torn from that Super Bowl. It's just so stupid. Oh yeah. Uh, all right, next question. I know. Let's let's move on before I start crying. Uh, next question from our pal at Gil Brandt fan one is Hawk Badger an industry plant? <laughs> I feel like I don't know how much I want to say on this because I feel like Hawk Badger is going to listen because he saw that question and Hawk Badger knows he everything. everything. He he does see everything. No, I actually like at one point was sort of talking with my Seahawks Twitter friends, which sadly exist. Um, and we were sort of just does and how he manages all insane Russell Wilson content that he digs up. And I did some intense internet stalking and I found this picture of what I believe to be him and Russell Wilson from like a million years ago. Wow. And he was just like some white dude. Um, but I could have been wrong. It could have not been him and it could have just been some rando. But um, yeah, he goes way back with Russell and I'm not sure what the deal is exactly, but he definitely has an affection for him that is to say the least on the border of not healthy probably yeah, not healthy when the, but uh, i'm trying to be generous <laughs> when the seahawks played the falcons in the super bowl this, or not super bowl uh the playoffs this year <laughs> uh i did my best to get blocked by sam hawk badger that week but unfortunately we're, we're you were being really annoying i muted you <laughs> <laughs> wait hold up what what type what type of character are we talking about because i'm a, i'm unaware of the seahawk badger f- fella yeah so like is he like is he worshiping the picture of like rust with like his hands yes. around like sierra like is that in his room yeah oh i mean i wouldn't doubt it probably life-size printout um yeah no hawk badger he just like he tweets every single thing Russell Wilson does. And I think he has some sort of alert that if anybody ever tweets the words Russell Wilson, he like retweets it or he finds it and likes it. Or he does like every time he doesn't follow me, like he unfollowed me, he followed and unfollowed me. I was like, okay, I see how it is. Hawk Badger. Um, <laughs> but he, and still, anytime I tweet about Russell Wilson, he finds it and he faves it. Uh, just, it's just like, just needs to go away. 
Uh, it's, but he has so many followers. Like people love him. There's this whole contingent look, of like crazy stock. Cult people. leaders are like a real thing. Cult <laughs> leaders are a real thing. Listen, I have been studying. I have been studying. I'm trying to make this come up. You better check in with Sam Hawk Badger to get some tips because he knows what's up in that department. Uh, okay. Next question from our pal Elron Hoya Bembe at Magmar underscore 01. Long time listener, first time caller. Hi, Natalie. Big fan. What was it like growing up with the last name Weiner? Also, what are your thoughts on Pet Rocks? <laughs> How you are including like the trolliest question. <laughs> I mean, we asked Nico Grimes if she would rather like, what was it, have sex with a table or something like that? Or... To be sexually attracted to a table or sweat mayonnaise. Yeah, that's what it was. Whoa. That's a trippy, like, philosophical ultimation. Um, the thing is, we get Charles to ask these questions so people don't think I'm the weirdo. We're just like, <laughs> that's the only good thing that comes out of these questions. Okay. Well, all right. Last name, it was as bad as you would expect, mostly yeah. because people don't, like, either way you pronounce it, it's bad. Wiener is obviously worse than Weiner. Um, the problem really is that there's a lot of people who spell it the same way, but they still pronounce it differently. Like Anthony Wiener, for example, who <laughs> pronounce his name Wiener. And when that whole thing happened, that was absolutely the worst because I was living in New York and it was just like inescapable. Um, it was pretty funny though. You know, the Wiener, the Wiener jokes wrote themselves at that point. Yeah. So like <laughs> Natalie, you're like socially conscious. You're like, yo, I cannot be in any sort of controversy that involves like that part of the body like no it's just too easy that's layups yeah no it it, but he did it anyway and yeah now it's just up to me to avoid that I had this (laughs) this came up last week because I found I was researching for a story and I found this old player whose name is Dick Wood (laughs) and so I took a screenshot of the Wikipedia page because obviously and I tweeted it at PFG commenter because what else do you do when you find I was like oh, it's yeah, the course. grittiest football player that's ever existed and I tweeted at him and we like had this conversation about it and then some person responded later like Natalie Weiner finding pages on Dick Wood I see how it is <laughs> it's just like and he switched the spelling of my last name too and I was like at least you know how it's supposed to be spelled when you say Weiner which is W-I-E-N-E-R but, right, you know. I remember there's anyway. A, so yeah, no, it's fine. Um, what was, were you gonna say? Oh, there was a girl I went to uh, elementary school with whose last name was Weiner, and she got called Weiner like every single day. So I can only imagine what it's like. Well, I went to all girls Catholic school for high school, so that helped. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but the teachers still sometimes called me. Like it was like Natalie Weiner, are you here? And it's like. No, (laughs) that's not me. That's another. Um, But yeah, and Pet Rocks, I don't know. Haven't had one. No opinion. No opinion at all? Not even like a confidence boost for a child they can bring? I don't know. Can they bring a confidence boost? It's a rock. (laughs) It can still be your friend, though. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, Elrond. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. No sympathy for Pet Rock holders here. All right. Next question from at Falcons underscore Andy. Are there any events you would like to see added to the NFL Combine? 
Oh, see, I thought that was a question more for you because <laughs> I don't know. I'm not like deeply into draft things and That's good. you know assessing players on their metrics and whatnot. <laughs> you know, um, maybe freestyling. Let's see who has bars. I would like, love to see that. <laughs> all right. So do you I follow? Like, do you follow college bat or college football at all? Like towards the draft? I. I mean. Obviously the draft, yeah. But I'm trying to get more into it. It's just, it's such a whole different thing for me. So who do you think would be the best rapper of like the college football players that you know? Oh, geez. I definitely don't know enough. Who, who, which ones do you think would be the best? <laughs> uh, definitely. I got money on Dalvin. Dalvin Cook? I, I was going to okay. say uh, Tack McKinley from UCLA because he was talking shit about like, like oh, yeah. when Miles Garrett sent out that video saying uh, the Cowboys should trade up to number one so they could take him, and Tack was like, "Shit! Like if he doesn't go to number one, I'll go number one." So I feel like Tack, <laughs> Tack would always have like a good retort for for anything that you said for him in a rap battle. I feel like we need this sort of measuring the intangibles. You know, I know they have the interviews, but there's there's more than that. Did you read? There was some story I just read about like what happened at a combine interview and they said, oh, I wish I could remember the specifics. It was just like really weird. They just brought him in and asked him a completely random question and then started showing him film, like a question not related to football at all. Like some sort of strange hypothetical. Yeah, football guys are weird. Like there, there's a bunch of things like they had a bunch of players. Uh, I think it was interviews on draft breakdown where they asked players or these prospects What's the weirdest thing that happened? And like every single prospect was like, this one team just like asked us to get in the staring contest, and then like <laughs> throughout the interview, it would just be like three random staring contests. What? Yeah, and I'm like, yo, look, you'll you'll learn you'll learn more about like the the NFL draft people. They're the worst humans on earth. It's, it's so we're weird. the worst. Like that's like I don't remember who the player was, but it was like a, a couple days ago. He said he went in for an interview at the combine and nobody said anything. Like they just stared at each other for like, they just sat there and I think for, that was the article that I read. Yeah. He said they sat there in silence for 15 minutes and then he just left. Like, what the hell is that? Why what's the point <laughs> of that? It's some sort of like, I mean, it's definitely kind of mind games or whatever, but it's like, what are you trying to learn about somebody with that? These kids like, are off of like six hours response? of sleep. They're off yeah. like six hours of sleep, and they're like the NFL is trying to play like three D chess with guys, and they can't even like figure out like they can't find they can't find thirty two quarterbacks. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Of course. And that and that's the hilarious thing. It's like you're looking for some sort of mental um, quality or trait, and then when guys are actually like woke and smart and do shit, then you're like, get off the team. <laughs> so uh, it's like, yeah. what exactly do they want? <laughs> They just—they want someone to be quiet and just play football, and right. that's just not real. That's not always realistic, as we've we've seen this past season. Uh, next question from Ugly Flacco at Hugh Hag, ooh, Hugo. I don't know. I'm not going to try to pronounce that. Uh, if you had if you had to recommend can't miss non major artist albums of 2016 or 2017, what would they be? Ooh, okay. I wish I had prepared for that question, but off the top, no name for sure. I don't know if she's like underground at this point because I feel like she's gotten a lot of play, but she's a rapper out of Chicago and just really good. 
very fun. I'm into Chicago rap in general. Like Mick Jenkins. Did you guys listen to that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We're hip. We're young. We like... I know. Well, I'm, just... <laughs> I'm just. Charles has actually never listened to rap music before. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. So now when we talk about Chicago rap, like how deep does that go? Do you like drill music like Montana 300 and stuff like that? I mean, I can appreciate it, but it doesn't necessarily do a ton for me, like emotionally. I don't know. Uh, Charles that... and I have several several times have been on like the 300 website, like looking up like hoodies. Yeah. We're like, yo, they got joggers. They got oh, joggers. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely. But they're sold joggers. out of the navy ones. See, yeah, we... Charles, I thought we connected on the R and B level because you love Ariana Grande. Yeah, I do. I love Ariana Grande, but sometimes I just need someone telling me how he's going to shoot me and my friends like that that's good music too <laughs> you know what's funny i um so for that drake thing i don't know if you read it the um was it but yeah yeah and he was like he's so like he likes r&b <laughs> like, he was like i don't want to listen to any of that like guys want to shoot me music like i just want to li- sit here and listen to marvin gay it's like okay geo <laughs> like you're actually more like russell wilson than you realize but i mean that's i, I love that type of music like just cruising to i have a whole playlist like almost 200 r&b songs just i'll just shuffle through that like every single day justice hates he hates slow music like that yeah yeah, man, not... I'm like a little ADD baby. I just got to, like, play something loud. You don't want the slow jams and dedications? No. Or I the do art. like the no-name tape, though. I do. Yeah. I'll coast on the no-name tape. Yeah, this, this, uh, who was it? Uh, this girl Megan showed me it over winter break, this past winter break. And I was like, oh, I didn't even, because I knew no-name from, like, Chance's songs. And I, yeah. like, I didn't know that she had her own, her own tape out. And then I went and, like, listened to it after she told me. And I was like, what the hell? I was like, I don't know how, how this, like, slipped my radar, but. It cosine for sure. Yeah, she's good. She's yeah. good. All right, we we have a long standing debate. Where do you stand on Anderson Pac? Oh boy. Well, oh, luckily no. I already have a take prepared, but I don't know if you're gonna like it. Um, I think he's super talented musically. Obviously, you know the drumming, the singing. Like he's got a super unique voice. I'm into that. The problem is just like the unapologetic misogyny that he just. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's on everything, and I just, I just can't like it. It ruins the music for me, and it sucks because he like is down with all the people that I like, like yeah. all the LA people that I listen to all the time. And it's just like if I call you a bitch, it's because you're my bitch. Like, nah, <laughs> like, yeah. I, just, I can't, I can't deal with that's that. Bad. So that's my Anderson Pock take. I wish he were, and like also, just based on hearsay, like he's like that in real life. So. It's not just a thing where he's fronting for the for the mic. Okay, so did you listen to Sid's album? Yeah, I've listened to some of it. I don't think I listened to the whole thing. So what do you, like? I like her. I, I like her too, but like me, and my friends, we were talking about this. Some of her music is kind of misogynistic too. Like it's it's weird, you know, because like she's talking about. I'm gonna sit this one out. Y'all have fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just think it's funny, like. Or not, not funny, because misogyny is not funny, but it's just kind of weird, like, seeing it from the other... Yeah, it's not funny, it's, Charles. Come yeah, on. It's not funny. But, like, like seeing it from the other side, like, seeing a girl talk about, like, what she's going to do to her girlfriends, like, I, I, like, how do you feel about that? Uh, I think, I mean, it's not so much, like, explicit sex stuff that I have an yeah. issue with. Obviously, like, I don't feel like, whatever, like, <laughs> that's just life, but it's sort of 
when you get into that place of like treating women like objects and that kind of thing you know it's like all right we're gonna fuck like you can talk about that but like not i don't know not being like like future he's like oh i fucked her and then i'm on to the next one you know it's like (laughs) yeah yeah. there's sort of a it's a thin line but i i think there is a line like i love pick up the phone and i don't think that song is misogynistic at all but it talks about fucking all the time you know it's like that's a love song that's a beautiful love song exactly exactly so you know it's just kind of like finding your own line and whatever all right uh last question before you let you go how would you feel if the seahawks did trade richard sherman oh my god like like what would the compensation need need to be for you to feel okay about that uh i mean first of all i think that's definitely not a thing that's even gonna happen i feel like there was like one rumor and then everybody just like michael lombardi michael lombardi said so so it has to be true He used yeah. to work with the Patriots. Is these are these are just facts, right? Right. Um, yeah. No. I mean, it would really suck. I would. I think what I would need. Well, we would need offensive line people. If we're trading Richard Sherman, it's got to be to help the offensive line. Yeah. That's the only possible way that I see it being valuable. Because like draft picks, honestly, like I feel like we have a reasonable number like they haven't traded really any away as far as i know or not a significant number um so yeah the o-line it's still because we paid that stupid guy joke i don't even know how to say his name okay it is joke all right yeah he is a joke yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know um but yeah we paid him for some unknown reason and everybody else is still dumb it's because Tom Cable yeah. is the devil. That's why. He just Tom, Tom Cable and Carl Bevel are like colluding to make every Seahawks fan insane. I think. But I think they want to kill fine. Russell Wilson. Like that's why you saw Tom Cable get <laughs> get looks for this 49ers head coaching job because like okay, he knows how to kill Russell Wilson from within. So maybe if we take this and like take this guy and put him on the outside, he'll know how to get to Russell Wilson. See, every Seahawks fan was rooting for Tom Cable to go to the Niners. Everyone was like, please, go. Like, just leave. See, and then they were like, no. That was that was so amazing seeing that happen. Where it was little Seahawks fans rooting for their offensive line coach to go be the head coach in, in their own division. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a moment. It's been a weird offseason. I'm not sure that I feel great about it so far. But maybe the draft will help. Oh, wait. Okay, before we let you go, one last thing. Can you tell Bill Barnwell to unblock me? I didn't do it. <laughs> look, look, I... Okay, Bill, What did you do? I didn't do anything. Here's what happened. So, it was like... I think it was two... I didn't do anything. He did, he did something. I didn't, no, I, I, he did something. I didn't do anything, though. So, here's what happened. Like, so, I think it was two years ago, Bill Barnwell asked, like, what do you guys think is the worst play in NFL history? So, I, I sent him the video of Josh McCown with that fumble they have versus the Panthers and then he picked it up and threw the pick that uh like behind the line of scrimmage and I look back like two days later and I'm blocked and that's the only interaction I've had with him huh that's what I'm I look I feel like Bill is very protective of his blocking rights if I tried to tell him like don't do it like unblock then I don't know he wouldn't listen to me I don't think I can just tell him I I think tell him I think he's a very good man and his heart is in the right place (laughs) 
But his heart would be in a better place if I was unblocked and I could follow him and read stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I, I'll see what I can do. Wait, when does this go live? Uh, Just tonight. Tonight? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Then I will, I was going to give you some intel, but I'll save, I'll keep it to myself because it's under embargo. <laughs> under embargo? All right, that works yeah. for us. So before we let you go, do you have anything that you want to plug that you're working on? Anything coming up? Um, I've got a couple things dropping this week that I that you will see when they happen because now I've become paranoid. Like the sports world is so competitive with reporting, like everybody is on the same shit. So, yeah. Anyway, got some cool stuff this week. I'm gonna be going to the spring league um, in West Virginia in a couple weeks What's that? to do a story on that. So it's like that. Remember the developmental league that they announced like oh, late last year? I, I didn't know that, that was actually gonna happen. There. It is happening. Um, it's in West Virginia. It is in West Virginia. They're playing. In I like know. The, they're playing in the Trump sponsored coal mines. <laughs> they're playing like really fancy resort. It's weird. I don't know. I oh, really I know where it's where it's where like the Steelers. It's like the Steelers Saints and like I think it's oh, like practice yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know said the mean. other pro league or like team said practice there, but yeah. After I like pitched it, I was like, "Why didn't I pitch a trip to somewhere cool and not West Virginia?" I don't know. You know, the love of the game, I guess. <laughs> All right, and before we let before we close off episode eighteen of Seven the Edge, we have to get our pal Sully football because uh, last week we got Hank Jones, we destroyed his mention. mention so this week we have to destroy Sully's mention. So I need you to go to at Sully football and ask him if he's a homeowner. Because he's been tweeting nonstop about owning a home since he got it. So you need to go to his Twitter feed, ask him if he's a homeowner, and just destroy his mentions with that. You guys did a good job last week with uh, bringing Hank back some awful memories from the past. So now we need to torment Sully's life, too. Because Sully is about to do something very, very mean to us that will ruin our lives. So we need to get on the front end of that. Yeah, we got, we got to get ahead of that one. All right, always subscribe on iTunes. Five-star reviews only. Steal everyone's phone that you know. Subscribe to them via there. Peer pressure your friends. Did I miss anything? Peer pressure your parents. Peer pressure your parents, your grandparents, your puppies. Natalie, plug everything. Plug your uh, Twitter handle again. Sure. Um, yeah, come follow me. It's just my name, Natalie Weiner, W-E-I-N-E-R. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm there tweeting stuff about Seahawks and other stuff. A lot about how much I don't like Drake and don't like the chain smokers. So if you're in for some hateful music commentary, come and follow me on Twitter. <laughs> that's all we know how to do. So that's going to conclude <laughs> episode 18 of Seven the Edge. We'll be back next week with our pal Ben Natan to talk draft and a super secret draft expert that will be unveiled later this week. See you guys then. <laughs>